ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with بلوغ المرام the explanation of a Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. We're now in the chapter of the prayer, Sifatul Salah, the section regarding the description of the prayer. The section regarding the actual description of the prayer. So the first hadith that Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajar, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentions in this chapter, he says, Babu Sifati Salah, the chapter regarding the description of the prayer. Anabi Hurayrata radiallahu anhu, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal. That narrated from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Iza kumta ila salati fa asbighil wudu, thumma staqbilil qiblah, fakabbir. ثم اقرأ ما تيسر معك من القرآن ثم اركع حتى تطمئن راكعا ثم ارفع حتى تعتدل قائما ثم اسجد حتى تطمئن ساجدا ثم ارفع حتى تطمئن جالسا ثم اسجد حتى تطمئن ساجدا ثم افعل ذلك في صلاتك كلها أخرجه السبعة واللفظ للبخاري والابن ماجا بإسناد مسلم حتى تطمئن قائما So in this hadith the Prophet said when you stand for the prayer when you stand for the prayer when you're going to pray then firstly, asbighil wudu. Perform the wudu properly, accurately. And we'll come to the full explanation in a moment. So when you stand for the prayer, then perfect your wudu. Thumma staqbilil qiblah. Then face towards the direction of the qiblah. Fakabbir. Then say the takbir, Allahu Akbar. Thumma qra' ma tayassara ma'aka min al-Qur'an. Then read... That which is easy for you from the Quran, meaning Al-Fatiha. Then after that, go into Rukur until you are settled in the Rukur. Then raise up from the Rukur until you are upright, standing properly in an upright position. ثُمَّ اسْجُدْ حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ سَاجِدًا Then go into the prostration, into the prostration until you are settled in that prostration. ثُمَّ ارْفَعْ حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ جَالِسًا Then raise up from that prostration and sit until you are settled in your sitting position. ثُمَّ اسْجُدْ حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ سَاجِدًا Then go into prostration again. Until you are settled in your prostration. ثُمَّ فَعَلْ ذَلِكَ فِي صَلَاتِكَ كُلِّهَا 
then do that in all of your prayer. So here then now, Sheikh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah says, Babu Sifati Salah, this chapter regarding the description of the prayer, meaning the description of how to pray. What is the characteristic or the description of the prayer? How are the actions of the prayer to be done? How are the statements within the prayer to be done? يعني كما وردت عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أقواله وأفعاله هذه هي صفة الصلاة So the description of the prayer it is that which has been narrated to us from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from his actions and from his statements That is the description of the prayer as the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed أي أنها تؤدى على الهيئة الثابتة عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم Meaning that you have to perform the prayer upon the description, upon the way that is established from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم The prayer must be performed upon the manner which is established, authenticated from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم And when we talk about the description of the prayer, the description of the prayer, there are two categories within that. Two types of description of the prayer. One description of the prayer is the complete description of the prayer. The complete description of the prayer. And that is the description of the prayer which includes within it the pillars and the obligatory acts, and the sunnah acts. The complete description of the prayer is that, which includes within it the pillars, and the obligations, and the sunnah acts that are supposed to be done too. If you have all three of those, that is the complete description of the prayer. There is another type of description of the prayer, which is, a description of the prayer that is sufficient for the acceptance of the prayer. The second type of description is a description that, if you were to perform it, it is sufficient for the acceptance of the prayer. And that is the description that includes the pillars and the obligatory acts. The pillars and the obligatory acts. If you performed the prayer with the pillars and the wajibat, the obligatory acts within it, even without the sunnah acts, then that prayer of yours would be acceptable. That's the acceptable way or description of the prayer. But the complete and the proper manner in which the Prophet ﷺ prayed would be the pillars and the obligations and the sunnah acts within the prayer. So you have two descriptions of the prayer. One, the complete description, the pillars, the obligations, and the sunnah acts. And one description which is that amount which is sufficient for the prayer to be acceptable, which is the pillars and the uh, obligations, the wajibat. 
الشيخ سيز ولا شك أنه يجب على المسلم أن يصلي على صفة ثابتة عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم There is no doubt that a Muslim is to pray the prayer upon the description that is affirmed, proven, established, authenticated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Due to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Pray as you have seen me pray. The clear narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said, Pray as you have seen me pray. That is a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. And similarly because, indeed in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That indeed you have within the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an example to be followed, a good example, a great example to follow from. So we are to Follow in the footsteps, in the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ, including in the manner that we pray. Similarly, Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, then stay away from it. So that is of course inclusive of this prayer. The manner in which the Prophet ﷺ has taught us to pray, then that is the manner we are to pray in. هذا هو الواجب أن تؤدى الصلاة على صفة الواردة عن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم فلا يحدث فيها شيء لم يرد عن النبي صلى الله عليه So this is the way that we are supposed to pray, as it has been mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ. And it is not correct for anyone to bring about something new into the prayer, or to pray it in a way that is not established from the Prophet ﷺ. For if somebody was to do that, to pray in a manner which is not from the description of the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ, then this addition or this change would be an innovation. وَكُلُّ بِدْعَةٍ and we know from the narrations that every innovation, every newly invented affair which is not from the sunnah, not from the guidance, not from the Qur'an, then that is misguidance. Every innovation outside of the Qur'an and sunnah is a misguidance. وَمِنْ ثَمَّ اِهْتَمَّ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ بِرِوَايَةِ الْأَحَادِيثِ الْوَارِدَةِ عَنِ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمْ فِي صِفَةِ الصَّلَاةِ And it's because of that, the Shaykh says that the scholars gave importance to narrating these narrations regarding the description of the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ in order that the Muslims would understand and know how to pray that prayer properly and accurately. So a person knows what to do and how to do it and what to say and when to say it. A person understands what we've been commanded to do in the prayer and those things that we've been told not to do within the prayer. And that is why the scholars gave importance to explaining the description of the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ. And as you're aware, the famous book of a Shaykh Al-Albani, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the famous book, the description of the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ, from the beginning to the end, from the takbir to the taslim, 
as if you see the Prophet that book Shaykh al-Albani, he wrote it, and it's written in three different versions. There is a brief summarized version in which Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah ta'ala chose his opinions regarding the various aspects of the prayer. There are different narrations, a hadith, etc. So he chose what he considers to be the correct opinion and he put that together in a small book. Then there is a medium-sized book in which the Shaykh, he mentioned the general outlay or outline of the prayer, the various aspects and the narrations backing it up. Then there is a detailed version, the detailed version where the Shaykh, he mentioned all of the various narrations of the prayer and the various ahadith, etc. and went through them. So all of that to show the importance to this, uh, to this topic of explaining the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ in order that a person prays it correctly and accurately. So the first hadith then that we have in this chapter, the one that we narrated, the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, this hadith is a famous hadith. And it is the hadith that is known amongst the scholars entitled the hadith of the one who prayed badly. The one who prayed badly. The hadith of the one who prayed badly. And the reason why it's known as that is because there is a story that occurred regarding Khalad ibn Rafi'ah. Khalad ibn Rafi'ah, on one occasion he entered the masjid. And the Prophet wasallam was sitting in the masjid. So Khalad ibn Rafi'ah, he went and prayed. And the Prophet ﷺ was looking at him. He saw him praying. So after he finished, he came and gave salam to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ replied and then said to him, Irji' fasalli, fa'innaka lam tusalli. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, go back and pray. Because you haven't prayed. Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. So the man, he went back. And he prayed again, and the Prophet ﷺ could see. Then he came and gave salam, and again the Prophet ﷺ replied and said, Go back and pray, you haven't prayed. So the third time the man went and prayed again, and the Prophet ﷺ could see. So then after he finished and came back and gave salam to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ replied and said to him again, Go back and pray, you haven't prayed. On the third occasion the man then said, he said, that is all I know. I'm not able to pray anything better than that. He said, He said, by the one whom has sent you with the truth, i.e. by Allah, then I do not have the ability to do any better than that. He said, that's all I know. I don't have the ability to pray any better than that. فَعَلِّمْنِي so Khalad ibn Rafi' said to the Prophet ﷺ, So teach me. That's all I know. Teach me. فَقَالَ لَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ So that's when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith to him. The hadith that we narrated. إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَأَصْبِغِ الْوُضُوءِ When you stand for the prayer, then perfect your wudu first. Then face the qibla. Then say the Allahu Akbar, the takbir. Then read the Fatiha, etc. The hadith that we mentioned. 
That's when the Prophet ﷺ then gave that description to Khalad ibn Rafi' radiallahu anhu. When he prayed three times, and every time the Prophet ﷺ said to him, go back, it's not right, you haven't done it. It's not correct, go back and pray again. So then the man said, this is all I know. I don't know how to do any better. So the Prophet ﷺ explained it with this hadith. So now to go through the sections of this hadith one by one. The first thing the Prophet ﷺ said to the man was, إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَأَسْبِغِ الْوُضُوءِ When you stand for the prayer, meaning when you're going to pray, then the first thing is you should perfect your wudu first. Perfect your wudu. Clearly as we've already discussed, wudu is something that is required, it's a condition. You need to have the wudu to be able to pray. So the first thing the Prophet ﷺ highlighted was, when you're going to pray, make sure you have perfected your wudu. And that is in accordance to the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number 6, يَا أَيُّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ O you who believe when you stand for the prayer, فَاغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ Then wash your faces, وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ and your hands up to the elbows, including the elbows. And wipe over your heads. And wash your feet up and including the ankles. So that was the command in the Quran regarding the wudu. So this indicates the condition of being upon purity to be able to pray. If a person has committed an act that is minor impurity, breaking wind for example, then you make the wudu. If a person has committed an act that is of major impurity, for example intercourse, then the full ghusl is required. But this indicates the first requirement, and that is that a person must be upon purity coming in to start the prayer. And that purity, the origin of it is that it is done with water. The origin of purity, the origin of purity is to use water. The basis and the origin of purity is to use water. If you do not find water, or maybe you do find water, but you are unable to use it due to whatever reason or factor, then in those instances a person can make tayammum, using the soil, but otherwise the condition is to use, or rather the condition is to be upon purity, and the origin of that is to use water, if it's not found, or it cannot be used for whatever reason, a person can use the soil, so the purity is a condition. Just like the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم إذا أحدث حتى يتوضأ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept the prayer of one of you if you have committed something that breaks your prayer. If you've done something that breaks your prayer, that brings about some degree of impurity, breaking wind or intercourse or whatever it may be. If you've done something of that nature, then the prayer will not be accepted until until the person he makes wudu. So here the Prophet ﷺ said, أَسْبِغِ الْوُضُوءِ Perfect your wudu. 
asbighi al-wudu, meaning perfect the wudu. And this is important. Important that a person when he makes the wudu, it is done properly and accurately. And the body parts are washed properly and accurately. Those body parts that need to be washed to make sure that there aren't any gaps that are left over. If you leave certain parts dry, water doesn't get to them, then the wudu is incomplete. It's incomplete and you can't pray. The wudu needs to be perfected and the body parts need to be cleaned. And anything which is obstructing the water from getting to those body parts, then that obstruction must be removed. So that wudu must be perfected and it must be done properly in accordance to the sunnah in all of the parts that need to be washed. And the first of those parts is, as mentioned in the ayah, the face. It is mentioned regarding washing the hands. Washing the hands at the beginning. A person washes his hands when he's going to start the wudu. And the scholars, they mention there is great wisdom behind that. Because the rest of the body parts, you're going to wash them using what? Your hands. So it makes sense to wash your hands first and keep them clean in order for you to then transport the water to the remainder of the body parts. So it's mentioned in the sunnah to wash the hands at the beginning. Then the person washes the face three times. Washes the face, well, in accordance to the perfection of the wudu three times. A person washes the face. Then after that a person washes... In fact, with the face, what should be mentioned? The mouth and the nose. The mouth and the nose are done with the face. How is the mouth and the nose done? So there are various ways that are mentioned in the sunnah. One of the ways mentioned is that a person takes his right hand into a cup and fills it with water. To cup the right hand and fill it in water, then to put that cup of water from your right hand into the mouth and the nose at the same time. Suck it into your mouth and the nose at the same time. Then fill up another cup of water in your right hand, meaning cup your right hand, make it into a bowl shape your right hand and fill it with water. Then bring it up and suck it into the mouth and the nose at the same time. And then for the third time, fill your right palm up again with water and suck it up into the mouth and the nose at the same time. That's one way of doing it. What's another way of doing it? Another way that's mentioned by the scholars is, if you have the ability, because the point is with wudu, you're not supposed to waste water. It's mentioned, you're not supposed to waste water. So it's mentioned in the sunnah, if you're able, fill up your right hand, and if you're able to take some in your mouth and your nose, and still keep some in the hand, do your mouth and nose, then from the same one, put it in your mouth and nose again. If you're able to do it twice or three times from one cup, then that's even better, you're saving water. That's mentioned in the sunnah, to reduce the number of cupfuls. It's not a necessity. You have to take a cup and then another and then another. It's not a necessity. If you take a cupful in your right hand, you do the mouth and the nose and there's still water left over, do another mouth and nose. And then maybe for the third time you need to get another cupful. So these are mentioned regarding that. Then after that you wash the... 
arms where to where? Fingertip to the elbow. So imagine now, we're making wudu, you've washed your hands at the beginning. Then you've washed your face three times, you've done your mouth and your nose. Then after that you're going to do your right arm now. From where to where? Is it not correct to do it from the wrist up until the elbow? From the wrist to the elbow? Yes, correct. Why? Uh-huh. So now some people may say, when you come to this part after the face, you wash your hands and arms, and you start with your right one, which is the sunnah. Maybe some people, they wash from their wrist up until their elbow. And they don't do the hand again, because they think, I did the hand at the beginning of the wudu anyway, it's already wet. That's incorrect. The hand washing at the beginning of the wudu, that is like a sunnah act at the beginning of the wudu. The actual washing of this organ, of this body part is now. Now is the actual washing when you need to do from the fingertips all the way including the elbow. The full arm and the hand included. You must wash the hand now with the arm including the elbow, all of it. It's a mistake that people don't wash their hand now when they get to this part. And they only do from their wrist up to the elbow thinking the hand's already wet. I did it at the beginning. That's wrong. The full hand and the fingers and the arm and the elbow included. Then the right, uh, left side, full hand and fingers and arm and elbow included. Then after that, wipe the head, get some water on the fingers, put the fingers together, wipe the head from the forehead down to the, the nape of the neck, I think it's called. To the bottom of the neck or the top of the where the hairline finishes at the back on your neck, and then to bring the head, uh, the hands back forward again. Then also you wash the ears, and it's mentioned you can put your index fingers into the ears and your thumbs behind the ears. That's mentioned doing it in that way. Then feet. What about the neck? So that. Aspect of the neck, Allahu A'lam. I've personally not seen anything regarding it. I don't know where it's from. But some of the people, they mentioned doing your neck like this. It's not mentioned in these narrations or the ahadith or the descriptions of the wudu. After the ears, then you move to the feet. Start with the right foot, all of it in between the toes, everywhere. Water must reach everywhere. Uh, including the ankle and then the left side, including the ankle. That's the wudu in brief. What if a person, during his wudu, he washed his face and his mouth and nose, and then he washed his left hand and arm, and then his right hand and arm. Then he wiped, then he washed his left foot first, and then his right foot. Is the wudu correct and acceptable or not? No? Yes? It's acceptable. The wudu is still correct. Because you have... Washed all the body parts. But it's not the way of the sunnah. The sunnah is that you begin with the right side. That's what you do. And nobody should think to themselves on purpose, I'm going to do the left side. If you forget or whatever reason it occurs, the wudu is correct. But the sunnah is to begin with the right side. The hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. That the Prophet ﷺ, he used to love to do things with the right side, including the purification. 
So when you make the wudu, you begin with the right sides. Even in the ghusl it's mentioned to wash the right side of the body first. So that's the wudu and this is the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned to this individual uh, regarding perfecting the wudu when you're going to pray. The three times you mentioned, that is the perfection of the wudu. Asbir al-wudu, perfect the wudu. The three times, that is perfection. If a person did it once, the wudu is acceptable. The wudu is correct and acceptable. But the perfection is in the repetition. When you repeat it and do it three times, that's where the perfection is in. Perfection of the wudu is in that. Whereas doing it once, the wudu is still acceptable. Then, ثُمَّ اسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةِ The second point that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned to this individual was, then face the qibla. You made your wudu, now you're going to face the qibla. In the end? This is wudu now. Wudu is in the Kitab uh, al-Tahara, before Kitab al-Salah. But uh, there's a hadith of Abu Hurairah, anhu, where it's mentioned that on the Day of Judgment, the, the, the body parts where you made wudu, they will be like a sign for the believers, to highlight them from the others, that these are the believers, they used to make the wudu, those body parts will be illuminated, a sign of the believers. So Abu Hurairah, anhu, it's mentioned, he used to say in a narration, so whomsoever can extend that area of illumination, then extend it. I.e., when you wash up to your elbows, go more. Go up to your arm and do all of your arm as well. So on the Day of Judgment, all of that will be highlighted and illuminated. However, many of the scholars, they say, this was ijtihad from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. Ijtihad of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, this uh, addition of going beyond the actual body parts that are mentioned. So many of the scholars, they say, you restrict yourself to the body parts that are mentioned. In this instance, it is ijtihad of the companion, radiallahu anhu, to go beyond or to mention as he mentioned. But the narrations from the Prophet ﷺ, the other ahadith, the description of the wudu, they all indicate stopping at those particular body parts. Stopping at the elbow, including the elbow. Stopping at the feet, including the ankles. And not to go over and above and beyond that. But...
Regarding those issues of wudu, uh, they have already been covered. We didn't start it here. We started here from the chapter of the prayer. Prior to the chapter of the prayer, there is obviously the chapter of purification. That's available on audio from Bulugh al-Maram, the same lessons, but on the chapter of purification. They're available on the Manchester website, learnaboutislam.co.uk, for the full chapter of the wudu and the uh, purification and all of those narrations regarding that. But here though now, the next point that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned was facing the qibla. So he said to the individual, when you stand to pray, firstly make sure you've perfected your wudu. Then face the qibla. And we've covered that already as well, that this is a condition for the correctness of the prayer. A condition for the correctness of the prayer is to face the qibla. فَاسْتِقْبَالُ الْقِبْلَةِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ شَرْطٌ لِصِحَّتِهَا فَلَوْ صَلَّى إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ الْقِبْلَةِ مَعَ الْإِسْتِطَاعَةِ لَمْ تَصِحْ صَلَاتُهُ So if a person purposely prays in another direction, he has the ability to face the qibla but he doesn't, then his prayer is not acceptable due to that condition missing now. لِفُقْدَانِهَا شَرْطًا مِنْ شُرُوطِهَا وَهَذَا فِي الْفَرِيضَةِ وَفِي نَفْلِ الْحَضَرِ أَمَّا النَّافِلَ فَسَبَقَ أَنَّ الْمُسَافِرْ يَتَنَفَّلُ وَيَتَهَجَّدُ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَهُوَ يَسِيرُ فِي الطَّرِيقِ إِلَى الْجِهَةِ الَّتِي هُوَ مُتَوَجِّهٌ إِلَيْهَا سَوَاءً كَانَ رَاكِبًا وَمَاشِيًا This is in the obligatory prayers and in the supererogatory when you are resident. But we already mentioned some of the narrations that if you're traveling, you're on a riding animal, that the Prophet ﷺ would face the qibla and do the takbir, and then wherever the riding animal went, upon those supererogatory prayers, then he would pray in that direction. So then... In the prayer now, the first thing after the wudu is to face the qibla. Why has the intention not been mentioned? Surely you have to have an intention. All of your actions are by are but by intention. Why has the intention not been mentioned anywhere? Because when a person stands up and he starts facing the Kaaba in his mind, in his intention, why is he doing it? Because in his intention, now he knows he's about to start praying. So the intention is there. You've got your intention. That's why you've made wudu. Because you intend to pray. That's why you've come now, you face the Qibla because you intend to pray. So the intention is inherently understood from this narration. That of course you're going to have the intention when you make the wudu and then stand and face the Qibla. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, ثُمَّ كَبِّرْ Then make the takbir. وَلَمْ يَذْكُرِ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمَ نِيَّةِ And the intention wasn't mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ. مَعَ أَنَّهَا شَرْطٌ مِّن شُرُوطِ الصَّلَاةِ Despite the fact that the intention is a condition also, that is because, قَالُوا لِأَنَّ قَوْلُهُ لِأَنَّ قَوْلَهُ إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ the scholar said, because when the Prophet ﷺ said, when you stand for the prayer, يغني عن ذكر then this suffices uh, from having to mention the intention. Because obviously when you stand to face the Qibla, you are now intending the prayer. ثُمَّ uh, كَبِّرْ Then do the takbir. I will finish upon this point. The takbir is the statement of an individual, Allahu Akbar. That is the statement that is required to enter into the prayer. To start the prayer, that is the statement that is required. يعني تكبيرة الإحرام للدخول في الصلاة 
فَلَوْ دَخَلَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ مِنْ غَيْرِ تَكْبِيرِ لَمْ تَنَعَقِدْ صَلَاتُهُ So if a person starts praying without saying Allahu Akbar at the beginning, then that prayer hasn't begun. He hasn't even begun the prayer, it's not prayer. To start that prayer and to begin that prayer, he needs to do that takbir at the beginning, Allahu Akbar. لِأَنَّ تَكْبِيرَ تَلِحْرَامِ رُكْنٌ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الصَّلَاةِ Because that takbir is one of the pillars from the pillars of the prayer. وَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ التَّكْبِيرَ بِسِيغَةِ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ And you have to say it with those words, Allahu Akbar. فَلَوْ أَتَى بِذِكْرٍ غَيْرِ التَّكْبِيرِ كَأَنْ قَالَ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ أَوْ قَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ أَوْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يَكُونَ ذَلِكَ عِوَضًا عَنْ تَكْبِيرَةِ الْإِحْرَامِ لَمْ تَصِحْ صَلَاتُهُ If a person used some other wording, and he decided to start the prayer by saying, Subhanallah, or Alhamdulillah, or La ilaha illallah, then none of that is sufficient to begin your prayer with. Your prayer doesn't become established with that statement. The prayer becomes established, it starts only with that statement of Allahu Akbar. وَهُنَا يَقُولُ ثُمَّ كَبِّرْ بِأَنْ يَقُولَ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ So here the Prophet ﷺ said that you say Allahu Akbar, meaning that you make the takbir. ذَكَرَ الْعُلَمَاءَ And the scholars, they mention a couple of points regarding this statement of yours, Allahu Akbar, at the beginning. They say, firstly, you should be careful that you don't prolong the beginning of it. You don't prolong the beginning of it. Meaning you don't say, Allahu Akbar. If you say it like that, with a long tone at the beginning, Allahu Akbar. That's incorrect. Because now this becomes istifham. It's a question in Arabic now. It changes the meaning. If you make it long at the beginning, as some people they do, they'll stand, they get ready and they say, Allahu Akbar. That's wrong to elongate it like that. Allahu Akbar is incorrect. So the Shaykh says, أَنَّهُ لَا يَجُوزُ لَهُ أَنْ يَمُدَّ الْهَمْزَةِ بِأَنْ يَقُولَ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ لِأَنَّهُ يَنْقَلِبُ إِلَى اسْتِفْهَامُ وَكَذَلِكَ And the second point, لَا يَمُدُّ الْبَاءِ Don't extend the bar. So don't say, Allahu Akbar. That is incorrect as well. When you extend it in that way, the pronunciation of it, it changes the meanings. So you don't say, Allahu Akbar, and neither do you say, Allahu Akbar. You don't extend it in that way, because the meanings can be changed. So it must be pronounced properly and accurately, Allahu Akbar. And that is how the prayer it begins, and that is how it starts. Uh, After that then the Prophet ﷺ mentions regarding reciting some Qur'an. So now you've made the wudu, you've perfected the wudu. You've stood and faced the qibla, you've made your intention. You say the Allahu Akbar to start and enter into your prayer. Then the next thing is the recitation. What does a person now start to recite? And that's what we'll start with insha'Allah in the next lesson. What do you now start to recite? So you've started your prayer. 
and we'll carry on with that prayer in two weeks' time and uh, learn what it is that a person now has to start to recite straight after going into the prayer, Allahu Akbar. Which point that's going to come. Or, or the details, the, uh, this hadith, all this hadith does so far, don't be concerned. The hadith here so far gives a general description, overview of how the prayer is. What you need to do, what you need to act, the movements, the uh, recitations, the supplications. It gives you that understanding of the prayer. The details of when you say, Allahu Akbar, how far up do you have to take your hands? How far do you have to do the ruku, etc. The details of these movements, etc. in the prayer, they're all going to come in the description in the hadith afterwards. So this first hadith, the purpose of it is for everybody to get the outline and the understanding of what the prayer is, how to pray. Details of where to put your hands and how to do the movements precisely, they will come in the hadith following that inshallah.